Hey, this is JJ Arcega Whiteside of the Philadelphia Eagles, and you're listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Fly, Eagles, fly. You're listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Yes, welcome in, everyone. This is the Full 10 Yards, where, of course, you know by now, say it with me, every yard counts. Back again for the second part of our Doctor Doctor series. If you haven't checked out the one from yesterday where we spoke to Ethan Turner, what are you doing, you sick, sick people? Go and check it out. That was yesterday's podcast today. Rob's going to have a more of a fancy angle now with it, with uh, Jesse Morse, uh, again from across the pond. Not going to talk too much in this one today. Again, just going to get straight into the action because a second of a two-parter. But keep your eyes peeled later on in the week where we'll be talking a bit, bit more about what we're going to be doing during the, during the season, some competitions and some giveaways as well. So... With that being said, let's go part two. Yes, welcome in everybody. Uh, yeah, I've got a very special guest with us today. Uh, he's one of the fantasy doctors, and if you don't follow these guys on Twitter, it is well worth it. And I guarantee you, if you're a fantasy owner and you're worried about your fantasy team, especially for the injuries, these guys are such a good follow on Twitter because they will tell you what's up and why you're going with your fantasy team with these players. So without further ado, joining me now is Dr. Jesse Morse. Sir, how are you? Wonderful. How are you? Yeah, really, really good. Um, interesting to to get your take here on these big hitting players, especially for fantasy football and, and what it means, for, uh, their injuries, what it means for fantasy owners this season. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, Jesse. Tell us about what you do and, and uh, what the fantasy doctors is all about. Sure. So I am a, a sports medicine doctor. I deal with predominantly fractures and arthritis and, and that type of stuff. I practice in Florida. Um, and I have my fair share of athletes that I take care of and I do a little, a little dabble into some professional work, uh, in, in terms of teams and athletes as well. Um, I did, uh, a lot of my training on the other side of Florida, uh, in the West coast near Tampa, where I took care of a, a lot of professional baseball players and, and okay. whatnot. Uh, I am part of a, a, one of the main, um, recording members of the fantasy doctors, which is a group of uh, sports medicine orthopedic surgeons who specialize in uh, basically analyzing injuries from all different sports and translating them to uh, real time and providing an accurate uh, diagnosis, uh, return to play and impact uh, when they uh, get back on the field and as well as to the rest of their team. Yeah. Sure. So in other words, you know what you're saying, basically. That's what we're getting at. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I, I sort of stumbled across you guys on Twitter. But my, um, recently I was listening to uh, the BDGE podcast with, with Nick. And you 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 were on there quite a lot. And yeah, I was absolutely fascinated with what your, your, your takes and what you're saying um, and the de- depth of detail of what you go into. It's it's brilliant. It's, an, it's another level. And for a fantasy owner, that's very key to get that sort of doctor second opinion if you like um from a real-time doctor uh studying sports medicine like you do over in america so so yeah it's uh you know thank you so much for coming on this show to to and the players that we're going to go through today uh to give an insight to to our listeners um on how the fantasy injuries uh, are going to affect them as we head into draft season so if that's all right with you we're just going to jump straight into it and talk some big hitting players if that's okay 
Sure. Let's uh, let's get off the bat now. I, I'm an Indianapolis fan, so uh, there's no second guessing <laughs> to who I am going to be bringing up uh, first. And I want you to tell me that he's going to be back for week one and there's no worries. But what's going on with Andrew Luck and his calf right now? I, I, I can't do that. Ah, no. Uh, <laughs> I, I, so uh, one thing you'll learn about me is um, I don't sugarcoat things. I, I tell you how it is. Sure. Um, I'm very realistic because that's kind of how you have to be in medicine. It's not good if your doctor sugarcoats things. You want to hear it straight. Yep. So here's the issue with Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck is dealing with two different injuries. One is a calf strain that happened a couple months ago. Not overly concerning. They heal in about two to four weeks, maybe six weeks if, if it's a little bit of a, a worse tear. That was really not the main issue. This main issue over the past three to four weeks um, it is a little bit lower down the leg. Here's one of the issues that we are experiencing in America is that they are not really telling us much, any specific details about this injury. So we kind of have to take little tidbits of this reporter's comments and this reporter's comments. Mm-hmm. The owner, uh, Jim Mercer, says one thing. Chris Ballard, the GM, says something else. So it's hard to... Uh, put everything together because they haven't given us a specific diagnosis. Yeah. Uh, they've, they've given us a bunch of different potential options, uh, but we've kind of fine-tuned uh, our decision about exactly what he's dealing with, and it's something called calcific tendonitis. So we're actually referring to the Achilles tendon, which obviously is on the back of your leg, the calf Mm-hmm. Uh, muscle turns into the Achilles tendon and then inserts onto the heel bone. Well, uh, if you have uh, wear and tear over that Achilles over time, the body tries to help out sometimes by uh, kind of putting calcium into the, te- the tendon. Right. Uh, it doesn't actually help and ends up now, as we see now, causing issues, but the body thinks it's helpful. The problem is these can form almost like little little bones because that's what calcium calcium makes up bones. Mm -hmm. So you have this wearing down of the Achilles tendon uh, in certain parts that don't have good blood supply and don't heal well, causing significant pain. Mm -hmm. So it's a combination between pain and and not being able to have the the flexibility and burst in his movement that he wants. So he's going to need this Achilles to run, to walk, to uh, get out of the way of would-be sackers, to plant, uh, to uh, step into his throws. All of this stuff is compromised with a combination of the calf strain plus the Achilles tendonitis. If this Achilles tendonitis and, and, and calcific tendonitis calms down, we will probably see him by week three or four. Okay. I would be very surprised if he's back by week one, only because... It, we're, we're less than three weeks away. We're like basically two and a half weeks away. Mm-hmm. And he still hasn't stepped back on the field again. So that's obviously concerning. Um, then you add in uh, the fact that um, they they don't want him to play two games and then step out for three or four or whatever. So when you, when you get him good, you want him good for the rest of the season. He is very integral to the team. He's a top three quarterback or four, you know, in my opinion, in fantasy football. So uh, there's a lot of guys that depend on him. Yeah. If he, this thing doesn't calm down, he may have to have surgery, and that would be the season. That would be the entire season. 
So this is a big deal. They need to make sure this calms down and calms down correctly. And if they don't, then th- this is going to be uh, detrimental. So if you remember a couple of years ago with his shoulder, they were kind of dilly-dallying, really not saying much. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, Ursay said, I'll be back week one, week one. And, uh, we're, and, and, and we're on the channel saying, He's not even throwing yet. How do you expect him to throw a football 30, 40, 50 yards down the field if he can't even throw it 10 feet? There's no way he's coming back. And as we saw, he missed the entire season. Uh, So you have to take what some of the reporters and some of the owners say with a grain of salt because they're, they're not telling it to you straight. There's a lot of money being moved around indirectly or directly on these games. And if they give, they show their hand too quickly, Obviously, uh, that can happen. So I've downgraded all of my uh, Indianapolis Colts as a result. Hilton, Mack, Ebron, um, Hines, Funchess, all of these guys are downgraded because of this injury. Yeah, sure. Um, Oh, man, it is so frustrating being an Indianapolis fan because it is it's like we're living in 2017 again because we just don't know um but yeah I understand it's a, it's a very difficult injury it's a, it's a very difficult uh, process that that they face now um so okay let's uh, you said you're you're down on, on all, the, all the Colts because of this but uh, so let's say best case scenario he's back on the field week four best case scenario where mm-hmm. um where are you willing to pick up luck in your fantasy drafts? Are you just, is this now a, a stay clear? He's off your draft boards or is he now, if he falls down into the sort of 10th, 11th round, potentially, is this someone that you, you, you could target to pick up with the hope that he will be back or yeah, what's going on? Where, where are you drafting luck right now? So I do two types of leagues. Primary, mm-hmm. I have best ball leagues and then I have my traditional redrafts. Uh, that I don't I don't do much dynasty um, in the redraft leagues because I don't draft until really the last week of August I have the luxury of waiting yep sure but right yep, sure. now I would probably take him uh, saying hypothetically that he's back in week four and he's gonna play the rest of the season yep I would probably do like a like a 12th or 13th um, uh, QB off the board, okay. which means I probably won't get him. Yeah. Uh, in best ball, I'm not touching him because it's too much risk. Uh, I can get someone else with his similar upside uh, at, at, at a better cost and not have to worry about him the whole season because I usually only draft two quarterbacks in best ball. Yeah, sure. um, if they told me he's starting week one, I would probably still have him as a top five quarterback. Yeah. But I, but I can't promise that. Um, we know he's dynamic. I had him as, as my QB one initially, um, come into the season until we start hearing about the calf. And now this other issue that, you know, we think is calcific tendonitis. So, uh, as we, as we continue to push out more, I get more concerned and I kind of drop him down my board even farther. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Understandable. Um, very frustrating, but understandable, uh, Oh man. Uh, okay, let's move on from Andrew Luck because it's just going to depress me even more if we keep talking uh, <laughs> about this. Uh, let's go on to another quarterback, Cam Newton. Obviously, there was a, a shoulder issue with with Cam Newton, but all seems all seems okay now. Um, is Cam Newton good to go? Do you think? Uh, and is, is he going to be really fancy relevant this year? Yes, um, I am not concerned about Cam Newton at all. Mm-hmm. Um, he had uh, so the the. The gist of his injury was a rotator cuff injury. Yeah, sure. So 
rotator cuff is four muscles, two large muscles on the front of your shoulder, two large muscles on the back of your shoulder. Anything out in front of your body or raising your arms over your head requires your rotator cuff. Mm -hmm. Throwing, whether it's baseball or football, is pretty much all rotator cuff and, and some labrum within it. Mm -hmm. You require your elbow, but you, you can't do it without your shoulder. Yep. So he had a, a probably a pretty big partial tear uh, in, in or at least one, if not multiple rotator cuff tendons. Uh, so when you surgically repair those and then give them appropriate time, which he has done, he should have pretty much full range of motion, full strength. So as you saw last year with the little dink and dunk passes to McCaffrey, yeah. Um, his, his a dot average, uh, depth of target is very, was very low. Uh, and that's why, uh, McCaffrey was so uh, explosive and, and racked up a ton of points because of that. I think this year, and you've already seen it in training camp, he can throw the ball 30, 40 yards down the field. Yeah, yeah. Last year that wasn't happening. Uh, he simply wouldn't do it a, whether it was pain or B, he just knew he couldn't throw it. He would do more damage. I am not overly concerned about the the, the rotator cuff and his repair. Um, and also, he did an additional step, and then he changed his throwing slot, we call it. So instead of going completely overhead, he, he kind of went to a little bit more of a sidearm kind of in-between, gotcha, yeah. which will start activating different rotator cuff muscles that were not repaired or, or likely not repaired, uh, indirectly giving him uh, a, a better uh, a better chance to succeed for uh, several years. He still has his legs. He has a nice arsenal of weapons this year. DJ Moore has the chance to break out. Curtis Samuel, uh, Christian McCaffrey is obviously still there. Uh, the, the corpse of Greg Olson is still around. Uh, so you have a lot of weapons, uh, enough weapons for him. Uh, and, and I think that he can be a, a QB 8 to 12. He's never really been a top five guy uh, one year, but that was really about it. Yeah, sure. So um, indirectly then, Cam Newton's shoulder, in, indirectly, does that affect... Um, does that affect Christian McCaffrey for you? Because, like you said, last year, because of this injury, he was dink and dunking, and now he doesn't have to do that. D does that mean that Christian McCaffrey may take a step back from the PPR kind of standpoint? Or is it because, is do you see McCaffrey as such a big weapon and it worked, it was successful, that they might still use that approach somewhat next year as well? You could justify that because his arm is stronger, they're not going to use McCaffrey as much. Okay. My suspicion is, uh, and then I've backed this up with recent drafting, I've drafted McCaffrey several times as the, my top running back over the past week. Sure. Um, he is so dynamic. He's huge. If you ever see him with his shirt off or in a cutoff, he's huge, yeah. uh, which doesn't really mean much, but it's, you know, he's not a little guy. And um, he's so dynamic that I think, with our, uh, Cam's shoulder being better, they can't sit on McCaffrey now. So they have to, to respect the pass. If 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 the Samuel Moore, some of the other wide receivers can stretch the field, Cam uh, and McCaffrey is going to have a lot more running room. They can't stack the box because they have to keep him honest. So I think it's going to actually play into his role. You you know he has a lot more weapons, so to speak, than he did last year where he really just didn't have the arm to do so. Mm -hmm. So you will see them, you know, go for a 50-yard pass uh, to Moore or Samuel, and then you'll also see them attempt the pass and then dump it over uh, over the bat, you know, over the linebackers, and McCaffrey may, you know, scuttle for a 40-yard gain or, or a touchdown. So to me, 
he's probably my number one or number two running back in PPR because of that. Uh, Camara, you know, uh, doesn't get quite the volume that we like. Zeke, until his uh, in injury or his contract resolves, you know, we really, uh, it's hard to touch him. I think it'll resolve probably by next week. Yep. Um, and then uh, David Johnson, I just, I don't know what to make of all these changes in the offensive line. Um, and, and we can talk about other guys if you want, but I, I'm all in on I'm a Christian McCaffrey. I think this helps him. Okay, that, let's um, let's talk about another running back, that a guy that without an injury uh, to him would definitely be in that conversation of one overall. And this is, of course, Todd Gurley. Uh, he's dealing with arthritis. That's what we're arthritis, for, yeah, yeah. In, in his knee. Uh, yeah, it's exactly. So, obviously, there's... How much concern have we got to have with this? I mean, I I, I look at the, the training training camp reports right now. One came out today. Todd Gurley's running at twenty one miles an hour. He's 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 still looking like an absolute animal. I don't have concerns with this to Todd Gurley. However, is it a case of we're going to see Todd Gurley a lot less in the second half of games and in the second half of the season? Is that what we're looking at now, or is this a, potentially something that after week two Todd Gurley could be done? So here, if anybody hasn't checked out my Todd Gurley video, I did up like a ten or fifteen minute yes straight video on Gurley. It's on it's on the Fantasy Doctors uh, um, YouTube page. Um, if you are one of our inside members uh, or our Patreon members, uh, I did um, even more analysis. I, I wrote about a three page injury analysis. Uh, in his injury, his injury, my injury draft guide, which is over 50 uh, typed pages and over 50 different uh, art, uh, players. Wow. In that, um, I really analyzed his entire history, going back to when he was in high school, how dynamic he was. This kid has been a stud since day one. The problem is he's got a lot of wear and tear in his knees. He he can't do what he used to be able to do. Sure. Uh, part of the issue with Gurley is that he's got arthritis in his knee secondary to his ACL tear from a couple of years ago and likely associated meniscal tear, which is the cartilage in that knee. And, and think of – excuse me. Think of uh, driving your car – and then think of removing most of the shocks in the car and still trying to drive it without having any issues. That's basically what Todd Gurley is trying to do. Sure. He doesn't have the shock absorbers in his knee that he used to have. So when that knee flares up with swelling, with pain, he, he doesn't have the ability to just say, oh, I'm going to put a knee replacement in and call it a day. He's mm -hmm. 25. Okay. We have a lot of cool meds and a lot of meds that help but not to the effect that you're asking someone to run 20 miles an hour, cut on a dime, uh, get hit every which direction uh, 20, 15, 20, 30 times a game every week. We don't have that type of medicine, unfortunately. So my suspicion is he is going to see a significant reduction in touches this year. Probably, uh, I'd say, around 200 touches total. Mm -hmm. um, and he, we know he's dynamic, uh, a receiver, so that's a little less wear and tear. Um, and I think that they will use Malcolm Brown 
as kind of his, his backup sure. uh, in terms of running. And they'll use Darrell Henderson as more of the Chris Thompson role in the, in the Redskins offense, more catching, receiving, and he's ridiculously dynamic as well. I think that Gurley has the potential to have a good season. The problem with arthritis, particularly of the knee, is that it's unpredictable. He may go 10 weeks without any issues. He may go four weeks, have a large knee flare, and be out four weeks. That's the issue that we're dealing with. It's that uncertainty that you don't know when to play him, when to sit him, if his knee's going to cooperate. And that's part of the issue why they drafted Henderson and why I'm a little hesitant. He's still easily the most athletic back in the entire NFL. Maybe uh, Saquon can give him a run for his money. But the problem is he's got a lot of tread on these tires that's starting to wear down, and he just I just don't think he can tolerate it anymore. So currently, uh, and, and you can't see this unless you're one of our Patreon members, but I have him – um, as my number 17 running back in PPR. Okay. He, he finished number three last year. Uh, that's still a very high ranking, in my opinion. To give you an idea, Fournette is behind him. Sonny Michel is on par with him. Uh, stud rookies Montgomery and Jacobs are behind him. So um, he is ahead of a lot of those guys. Uh, but at the same time, I... I I, I can't trust him enough to put him in the top 10 or top five. Sure. So I like him. I just, I, there's too much uncertainty. I think they're going to pull off uh, some of those touches and it, indirectly that's going to kill his value because you don't know how much workload he's going to get. That's fine. That's, that's absolutely fine. I mean, he's for me, he, he's just in the top 10. He is my 10th uh, ranked running back in PPR simply because I think he's still going to get the goal line work and I think he's going to get a lot, lot of opportunities in the red zone. And I think he's that talented despite this injury that he's going to get the touchdown. So that's why I've got him in there. But absolutely agree with what you're saying here. But now, um, where are you prepared to draft Todd Gurley? What round does it have to does he have to fall into for you to pick him up? Um, if so, the way drafts are, I did a draft this morning, a best ball, um, and it was only a ten team, so it was a little skewed. The draft, the, the quarterback, uh, the running backs are going off really early, yeah, really sure. early. Sure. So. By the end of the second round, the majority of your heavy hitters are gone. Um, and, and and where I'm comfortable taking him is probably the mid to late third round. Right. And I will probably never get him there. Mm. So unfortunately, I probably he probably won't end up on my team unless I reach for him. Yeah. And, and and I have a tendency to play for money, so I won't probably reach for him. Too much of a risk, right? Yeah, it's just too much uncertainty. Um, he could go bananas, but... Uh, at the same time, he could do what Leonard Fournette did last year and, and miss you know half the season basically. Yeah, sure. Um, okay, a couple more players just to go through before for our time expires here. Um, one I'm going to pick up just at the end here because someone that um, yeah I'm, I'm very interested to, to to talk to you about. But first of all, um, let's go through these Achilles tears. Devon, uh, Donta Foreman and and Emmanuel Sanders both returning. Obviously, Donta Foreman is a little bit of a different case now because he's no longer with the, the, the Texans. He is now with my Indianapolis Colts. Yep. Just just how bad is an Achilles tear? How much does it affect the player? And can they? would they be able to get back to 100% after an Achilles tear? So um, think of an Achilles tear for an uh, offensive playmaker, your wide receiver, your running back, 
as pretty much uh, a career-ending injury. Wow. Okay. Uh, in football, in football, mm-hmm. uh, you can return in basketball, uh, but usually that's at the end of their career. Kobe, um, we'll see if Durant can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, there has never been, to my knowledge, a running back in the NFL that was an established running back, suffered an Achilles tear, had surgery, and came back and was still a top 10 back. Wow. They lose their explosiveness. Yep. The data on the surgery, even though the surgery is getting better, is that the 30% of these guys never get back on the field. That's a big deal. Mm. Yeah, that's massive. There is a significant reduction in power and speed. Um, the This is just a bad injury for this specific position. Uh, wide receiver may be a little bit better, but you want age in your side, and Emmanuel Sanders doesn't have that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want nothing to do with Dante Foreman. I told everybody that last year. I told everybody that this year. And obviously, he got cut by the Texans. Yeah. Whether that was injury-related, whether that was work ethic-related or both, um, he may have been frustrated that he's been working his butt off and it just hasn't ever got to where he wanted it to be. And that's part of the issue is that these just don't heal like we want them to and you don't get the type of response that you that you need in the NFL to, to excel. Sure. The the Emmanuel Sanders, though, I mean, you see the videos, you see the, the hype coming out of training camp. Does that sway it slightly for you? Do you have half an interest or is it completely fade on, on these two guys particularly? Um, and for anyone who's coming back off an Achilles, it's a complete fades for you, full stop? Or, like I said, does does a bit of video and, and some, some good hype sway you slightly? I like to consider these guys as the rule and not the exception. Sure. So, in my mind, Emmanuel Sanders is undraftable. Uh, Demarius Thomas is undraftable. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't care if we're in the 18th round. I will find a rookie that has a, a better potential. Um, I did my rankings um, earlier this morning for wide receivers, and the only reason I put Emmanuel Sanders on there, who's the last one at 71, Wow. Is only because if I didn't put him on there, people would probably ask about him. <laughs> sure. So I just put him at the end just to give you an idea of how far down he is. Sure. So, I mean, I have no faith in him, unfortunately. If he proves me wrong, awesome. Um, I think Deshaun Hamilton ends up taking that role. I think Cortland Sutton is the best dominant wide receiver there. Um, and I want nothing to do with noodle arm Joe Flacco. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I can I can definitely agree with you. Uh, two or three of my best friends are Baltimore fans, so uh, we've had this discussion many times about Joe Flacco and his noodle arm. Uh, anyway, let's um, let's get on to the final player that I wanted to discuss with you. And like I said, I, I watch your videos, I follow you on on Twitter, and listen to you on other podcasts, and I agree with pretty much everything you say and and i I love your takes however there is one player one player that i disagree with you on and we did we did speak on twitter not long ago um about devonta freeman um i hate the narrative that people say is injury prone because i don't i don't see it i don't see why he is when he's played 61 out of 64 (laughs) games of his rookie career now i understand last year sports hernia a one-off injury he does have his knocks he has had his concussions sell me on devonta freeman why he's a fade All right, so let's – we're going to do a little history lesson. Sure. Devonta Freeman went to the same high school in Miami, which is about two hours south of me, Mm -hmm. as Dalvin Cook. 
Okay. Dalvin Cook was a couple years behind him, just for what it's worth. Devonta Freeman was a beast. But here's the problem. He's getting older. For running backs, older. He's 27 now. Okay, so let's let's let's, let's kind of go back. He uh, was a monster in high school. Ran for 308 yards and 36 carries in one game. Wow. He was a four-star recruit. He was the top recruit, top running back in the country at the time yep. and went to FSU. He did better with each year, eventually got taken in the fourth round by the Falcons. Yeah. He's not exactly spry. He ran a 45840. Yeah. Okay. Um, rookie season, crowded backfield. If you remember way back when, Steven Jackson, Jaquiz uh, Rogers, Antone Smith. He did a little bit, 250 yards, 65 carries, caught 30 passes. Um, he missed uh, some time with a hamstring injury back uh, pre-2015 season, but that was his breakout year. He was 23, so four years ago. He ran for 1,000 yards, four yards per carry, which is not very good, um, 11 touchdowns, and he caught 73 passes uh, for another three touchdowns and almost 600 yards. He missed one game that year with a concussion. Yeah. 16, everybody's all in on him. He uh, continued to do great. He actually did even better than his previous year. He played all 16 games. Mm-hmm. Um, he ended up playing through what we call a hit pointer, which is what Odell has right now, not overly concerning even for a running back. Here's where it starts to get a little ugly. Freeman is signs at the time, the highest running back salary in the league at $41 million. Then he took a step back. His yards per carry went from 4.8 to 4.4. He rushed for a little under 200 times for 865 yards and seven total touchdowns, or, or seven touchdowns. Mm-hmm. He had 11 this season before, and we know they're a little fluky. He caught 47, uh, 36 passes on 47 targets and another touchdown for a little over 300 yards. But here's the issue. This is when he started getting injured. He had two more concussions this season, uh-huh. one in the preseason, one in November. He had a grade two, which is a partial tear of both his MCL on the right knee, which is the, the, the ligament that runs north to south on the right knee uh, on the inside. Yep. And then his PCL, which is the the very thick ligament that that counteracts the ACL and and is basically responsible for keeping the knee from sagging. If you yeah, think yeah. that way, uh, these are two of the main four ligaments. So as far as we know, the LCL, which is on the outside, and the ACL were intact. Um, PCL sprains are not very common. This is what uh, Giancarlo Stanton, for you Yankee fans, is dealing with. This is uh, quite rare in sports. You really get it if you land directly on a flexed knee and the ground kind of pushes your knee back towards you. Traditionally, we see these in medicine with people sitting in the front seat and the passenger side, a high vehicle accident, and their knees hit the dashboard. That's usually how we get these. These are hard to do because this ligament is so strong. So basically, he finished that season with that. He rehabbed all of last offseason. But but with, with this injury, you usually don't do surgery on it unless it's just completely torn. Uh, because it, it, and traditionally, even with 
a repaired uh, PCL, you will still feel like your knee is loose, like it's just not as tight as, as if you didn't have it, as if it, you didn't injure it. So um, he was being drafted mid-second round last year, 12th running back off the board. Let's see how his season went. Awful. Uh-huh. He suffered a right knee injury, same one he injured uh, uh, nine months prior in week one, which caused him to miss three games. Then his first game back in week five, he sustained foot and groin injuries in that game. He caught um, a total of five passes and ran the ball 14 times in all of 2018. Does that sound like somebody you want to pick for your 2019 second round pick? Potentially. Well, yeah, I, I I get it, but that wasn't what forced him out for the whole season, was it? It was the sports uh, hernia, was it that that forced him out for the whole season? I just talked about five different body parts. <laughs> sure, sure. I get I get it. I get it. I I can see uh, looking at the the sports injury predictor that you know he has had these ailments, but. I don't know. I mean, I, I know he's had these three concussions, which they, they do worry me. Any concussion worries me. A grade one concussion. How severe is a grade one? So traditionally, we don't, gr- gr- quote unquote, grade concussions anymore. Okay. But a concussion in general, and I when I was training at USF in Tampa, I did a lot of these. Uh, thankfully, I don't see them much more because they're very challenging to treat. Yeah. But... Um, a typical sports concussion takes seven to ten days as an adult to heal. Most common symptoms are nausea, headache. Uh, some people have blurry vision, ba- uh, balance issues. Um, they will have some irritability, that type of stuff. Excuse me. So uh, most people get back in seven to ten days. Here's the issue. With every concussion, you are at significantly increased risk about seven times, uh, sevenfold, to get another concussion. And each concussion has a tendency to take longer to heal than the previous one. Not always, but usually. Um, so the issue with concussions is that not only are they unpredictable, but you really don't know how long these are going to last. And you can't rush a brain injury. If he has a potential concussion, he is guaranteed done for that game. Period. He will not get back in the game. And yeah. it's just that's just how it is. So... I'm I'm more worried about a combination between his knee, his uh, head a little bit, um, and and he's just got so many things. The foot, uh, I mean, I'm not really worried about the groin. That's like the least of my worries because it was surgically uh, addressed, and and, and the data shows that he's great after that. The biggest, actually the biggest concern I have is that the change in offensive coordinator. Sure. So when Dirk Cutter was there, in his rookie season, that was, I mean, yes, this is his rookie season, but that was his worst season. Dirk Carter wants to throw the ball. He does not want to run the ball. This is not Kyle Shanahan. So he's going to run the ball. He, he wants to throw the ball, not run it. They're going to use be a more balanced attack. I think Brian Hill actually takes over this backfield and not um, – um, not, uh, da, 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 what's his name? Uh, da, 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 da. Edo Smith. I Edo forgot. Smith, yeah. Um, Quadre Olsen may get some short line goals where they struggle last year. Sure. Um, so, I mean, some people like Freeman. He's too risky for me. He's like my running back 40 or something. He's wow. Yeah. I will never have Freeman on my team this year because 
there isn't a round that I would take him. I would take several rookies before I took him. Wow. Devonta Freeman is my 12th. He's my RB12. Um, I think that... I hear what you're saying with the with the injuries. Now, let me... So, if he was out with the whole season with the, with the sports hernia, had got surgically repaired. Now, being out for almost 12 months, would that not in turn help the, the foot, the, the knees? Having a whole year's rest, surely that, you know, would help fix the rest of his ailments and he comes back almost fresher than ever. That's, that's the kind of the route that I'm going down. Um, the concussions, like I said, they worry me. But... I don't think they're Jordan Reed levels of concussion worries. Um, however, like you said, if he does does get another one this year, he's out for the game. He's probably out for two or three games, and that then becomes a big worry. I think there is definitely risk with Devonta Freeman. Don't get me wrong; I definitely think there's risk. However, I'm going down the road of he's had a year off. All of these little ailments have had time to to fix, time to recuperate, and now he's coming in fresh. He looks good in training camp. I'm will, I'm willing to put my chips in the basket with Devonta Freeman. So. If my suspicion is that Freeman's going to miss probably about six games this year. Okay. So if your RB1 is going to only play 10 games, is he still your RB1? No, probably not. So part of the concern I have with him is, yes, the year off will help a little bit, but that PCL is what it is. He's rehabbed it as much as he can rehab it. These guys' bodies were not are not meant to do what they're asking. And that's why Melvin Gordon, that's why Zeke and Le'Veon Bell are doing what they're doing, mm-hmm. holding out and saying, I need to get paid. Yeah. I, 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 my body's only going to be able to do this for a couple more years. If I don't get it now, I'll never get it. Sure. That's why Bell uh, was so successful in his endeavor. Whether or not it was, you know, a smart idea is, is for a different debate. Here's the thing about Freeman: he's already got paid. Mm-hmm. He's getting paid regardless. He he doesn't have to play for a contract. You know Respect. that's part of the, you know that's part of the not a little that's a little bit of it. It doesn't. It's not a big deal, but. I, I just can't get on board with his knee, with with his, his his groin. I mean, it should be okay, but, I mean, he can retweak it. He can treat to the other side. Yeah. Um, we don't know really what's going on with his foot. I, I just – there's too many things injured on him um, that I, I just – I have better options who have higher upside and better rushing attacks around the same time. Give me Dalvin Cook. Give me Joe Mixon. Give me Carryon Johnson. Give me the new look um, uh, Aaron Jones with with a rushing attack because of Matt Lafleur. Uh, give me uh, Miles Sanders, who could be the next Todd Gurley. Like all of these guys excite me much more and have much fresher legs than a guy like Dante Freeman. Devonta Freeman. That's fair. Um- None of those guys that you mentioned have done it before, though. Devonta Freeman has been an RB1. He's been an RB12, I think, three seasons. You know, I, I don't know. I like I like it. And now the, I'm looking at fantasy football calculator right now, just seeing where he's being drafted. And he is going... Uh, I can't find him. Um, 
Oh, there he is. Uh, RB16. So in the mid-third round, around him is going... Uh, like you mentioned, Aaron Jones. Let's take Aaron Jones and Leonard Fournette here. So Aaron Jones is dealing with a hamstring injury preseason. I, I, I don't like preseason hamstring injuries. They worry me slightly. Leonard Fournette. I don't know. I don't like the situation Leonard Fournette's in, and he's also had uh, injury problems and maybe some mental problems uh, with the team and whatnot. I don't know what's going on with Leonard Fournette. So. Those let's talk about those two guys real quick. Leonard Fournette and Aaron Jones. Would you be taking those hands above Devon Freeman by the sound of it, right? There's three guys on my do not draft list. Yeah. Leonard Fournette's number one. <laughs> Devonta Foreman's number two. Yeah. And Jordan Reed is number three. Wow, okay. I'm I'm a little less concerned about Fournette than I was when I wrote that. Uh, which was about a month ago. Yeah. Predominantly because if he can get back to his season two years ago, he was a beast. I mean, Fournette was a monster. You saw him. He can catch. He has fantastic running. The problem is he couldn't stay healthy. If he truly rehabbed this offseason, got his legs in a better condition, he could be a top five running back again. He has the workload. He doesn't have anybody behind him. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got Foles who can actually throw the ball that will open up some of the box and probably some dump off passes because their line's going to struggle a little bit. And they have some tough games starting. I would still draft Fournette. I'm just not as high on him as some people are, which is why probably I won't get him. Um, but. Aaron Jones, on the other hand, I really like Aaron Jones. I am. I agree with you about the early season or, or preseason hamstring injuries. Uh-huh. Um, the good news is that it sounds like he's doing well, and as long as he pushes it now, and I don't want push it at 80%, I want push it at 100%. If he doesn't re-injure it now, I'm okay. If he doesn't give it 100% and then decides to push in 100% in week one and re-injures it, Obviously, that's a little different story. Sure. Uh, last year, Aaron Jones feasted on bad rushing defenses. He averaged 5.5 yards per uh, carry, yards per attempt. To give you, put that in historical context, Alvin Kamara's most probably historic season in 16 or 17, he averaged 6.1 yards per carry. Uh-huh. But he doesn't have the volume. Adrian Peterson's record-setting season in 2012, six yards per carry. So 5.5 yards per carry is monster numbers. You just need the volume to get it. Yeah, sure. So I I feel like they can step up. They they There's a good chance that he is uh, a top 10 running back this year. I have him in my kind of more... Uh, 10, you know, let me see exactly where he is. I have him as 12 right now to give you an idea. So I, I like him in that area. Uh, I am I'm mildly concerned about his knee injuries. He's basically injured both knees, the MCL, that, that ligament that runs up uh, north to south on the inside of the knee. Yep. Um, both injured, both knees uh, multiple times, but these usually do okay. You don't need surgically repair them. Um, 
So he, he cleaned up his diet. He's in much better shape this offseason. He's got a head coach that loves to run the ball. They were one of the top running teams in uh, in Tennessee last year, ninth. Um, and and he's got you know a much uh, his quarterback is healthy this year. Yep. I don't mind him. I would take Aaron Jones over Devonta Freeman, and it'd be a, it'd be a coin flip between him and Leonard Fournette. Uh, but I just haven't been getting Leonard in that same area because he's already gone by then okay that's fair yeah that's definitely fair i'm a bit lower on aaron jones um like i said i don't like this hamstring injury uh he's currently my running back 22 but he is a guy that has got potential to to be like you said he i can see him being a top 10 if he's 100 percent healthy in that offense then sure definitely um i'm just a little bit reserved at the moment uh leonard Fournette, like you i'm very low on leonard Fournette as well um but yeah, no, circling back to Devonta Freeman, um, yeah, I, I think the way I draft and my draft strategy, and it does affect things here, I like to take three running backs in the first four or five rounds. And when Devonta Freeman is sitting there in the third, sometimes even the early fourth round for me, um, he's, he's a guy that I've seen do it before. I'm not, I, I am concerned about the injuries, but not super concerned like a lot of other people seem to be. Um, so that's why I'm happy to grab him there. And I'd also just, he's going ahead of, uh, right now on ADP, he's going ahead of the two rookies, David Montgomery and Josh Jacobs. Well, I'd always side with Devonta Freeman because of because of his history with fantasy football. Um, Marlon Mack is a guy intrigued, but again, like we said right at the beginning of the show, it's very dependent on how much we see Andrew Luck this year because I think, like you said, it affects everyone on the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Chris Carson is one guy I'd probably take above Toronto Freeman because I think he's got a fantastic uh, outlook in the Seattle offense this year. They're a run-heavy team. Chris Carson, for me, is the best runner there. Um, I'd, ta- I'd take Devonta Freeman over Derek Henry, over Mark Ingram, over Philip Lindsay, over James White, Sony Michelle, Tevin Coleman. So pretty much there, right there. That middle section, yeah, Devonta Freeman's my favourite guy. That's why I find myself picking him up a lot. Um, now let's um, let's wrap this up. Um, thank you so much for coming on the show, Dr. Jesse Morse. It's been a pleasure talking to you, and I really do think this is one of the best episodes that we've done this season so far. So, so thoroughly enjoyed you coming on and, and giving us an insight. Really, really, really worth having you on. And definitely, guys, if you don't follow Dr. Jesse Morse, go do it now on the Twitter. Uh, Jesse, where can we find you there? So it's uh, uh, at uh, D-R-J-E-S-S-E-M-O-R-S-E. Pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Fantasy Doctors are uh, the Fantasy D-R-S uh, on Twitter. Uh, we have Instagram. We don't use it much. I don't know um, how you guys are over there. No, and um, the uh, our, our website is pretty easy to navigate. It has a ton of uh, stuff on there. And uh, we, we recently uh, launched a Patreon page, which is for all of our advanced videos, analysis, uh, rankings, stuff like that. If you're if you're interested in the draft guide and want to read about all these injuries, and and I give it like a, a, a check sheet about you know how risky is this guy at a one to ten scale, uh, just check out the Patreon page. Yeah. The, the level membership is only ten bucks, um, and, and and it's monthly, but you can cancel after the first month if you're not happy with the service. And I provide you know updated stuff every, literally every day, sometimes multiple times per day. Um, uh, that one is pretty straightforward. You can check on my Twitter handle, and, and it's right there. Uh, but thank you for having me on. 
No, no problem. It's definitely worth it. Go, go follow these guys and, and go subscribe um, to their Patreon page because it, it is worth it. Because this is important stuff for fantasy football. If if you're into fantasy football, if you want to win your leagues, then you need to have the best advice. And injuries are probably the biggest component of fantasy football. You need to know. Uh, who's likely to get injured, what they're dealing with, what they've dealt with in the past. And these guys at the Fantasy Doctors, they know their stuff. They know what they're talking about. So definitely well worth a follow. Uh, again, De- Dr. Jesse Morse, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, like I said, go follow in Dr. Jesse Morse on, on Twitter. And you're very responsive. Uh, I've, you always seem to reply to any sort of uh, chat that I've had with you. So uh, if you've got any questions for Dr. Jesse Morse and the injuries, he will answer them and, and he'll tell you what's what. So... Uh, a very good follow on Twitter. Dr. Jesse Morse, thank you so much for coming on the show. We very much appreciate it over here uh, in, in in rainy old England uh, having you on to, to talk injuries and, and fantasy football. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you very much. Take care, guys. So there you have it. Thanks to Jesse and, of course, Ethan yesterday as well for taking the time out of their schedules to come and join us and talk some injuries, something that not, is not usually that, that covered in depth. So I uh, really enjoyed that, learned a few things. I hope you guys did too. Don't forget to follow us on the Twitter at Full 10 Yards. Uh, <clears throat> obviously, you've got all the other branches as well. Make sure you're giving those a follow, especially the college one where you can still have a, a you can win a Texas A&M jersey with Von Miller on the back thing of beauty that is we'll be back tomorrow rob should be in between your ears with the podcast more fantasy related as well so keep your eyes peeled for that a bit in the meantime in the great words of kevin cadle it's a baba for now a baba thanks for listening to the full 10 yards podcast follow us on facebook or twitter at full 10 yards or email the show full 10 yards at gmail.com.